There you go. Isaiah chapter 49, beginning with verse 5. If you've been here throughout the summer, we're in a summer theme. Make no little plans here. Um, and uh, I believe it's a word for this, this house, this church. I believe it's a word for your life, for your family. And, um, you know, Paul would always say in his writings, I will remind you of this thing. And you might be saying, uh, why do you read this every week? Because you didn't get it yet. And the assignment upon my life is to make sure that celebration enlarges their, enlarges their faith and their belief in the God that they serve. So part of the assignment is, is right here. Just read this every week and uh, comment on it and let God do a work in our hearts. Notice what it says here in Isaiah 49, verse 5. It says, I find, this is Isaiah speaking about God, I find the source of all my strength in my God who says, this is what God says, it's too small a thing, that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore, in the, restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. Such a powerful, powerful verse there because it really is dealing with make no little plans. This is, this is the heartbeat of God. God is challenging the mindsets of His people by telling them He can do more in their lives than what they are embracing and what they are thinking. I love Isaiah says, this is where I find my strength in knowing and understanding that when God looks over my life, He looks over our lives, He looks over and He says, it's just too small of a thing because what they were believing is just for one nation to be saved. And God says, I have more than just one nation in my heart. I have all peoples on the face of the earth. I want them all. God says, I want them all saved. And it was Isaiah's, this powerful truth, it was Isaiah's understanding of that that actually gave him strength in his life. If you're depressed and sad and discouraged and need strength in your life, you need to get a different view of your God. You, you need to get the view of God that can do more in your life, that you are not stuck, that, that you are not limited, that God can do more and God wants to do more if you will agree and co cooperate with, with God. Uh, the enemy wants you to stay small. He, he wants you to think small. He wants you to live small. But we need to God-size it. I said, we need to God-size it. Anybody going to help me preach today? We, we, need, we, need to, we need to God size our lives. We need to God size our dreams and God size our expectations because God can do more. So I declare over you today, uh, let me just pause right there because I don't sense much faith in this room right now. And I can say all that I'm saying, but if you don't have a heart to agree and a heart to receive, it will not. None of the Bible works. Come on, we've already done this one-on-one. -on -one. The, the Bible's got to get three places in your life, right? Come on, you need to get into your mouth. You need to start declaring and proclaiming, this is as small as my life will ever be. Come on, from this point forward, it gets bigger, better, and brighter. It's way too small of a thing. How many of you agree your life is just way too small? God can do more in your marriage. He can do more in your home. He can do more in your family. He can do more in your business. He can do more in your resources. And the limitation is not God. The limitation is you. 
You need to hear that today. The Bible says one of the saddest verses in the Bible is the Bible says God's people limited the Holy One of Israel. It wasn't that God could not do it. It's just that they did not have a faith to receive the bigness of God. You need to God-size your life. God-size your dream. Come on. God-size everything that's about you. And when you start thinking like that, it's hard to get sad. It's hard to be depressed. Isaiah says, the reason why I have strength in my life is because I heard my God. He says, it's way too small of a thing. What's interesting to me is that, is that this is the heart that God has today. God, God says, and he looks out over this church today, and he says, this is too small of a thing. God says, I have more in mind. God says, I'm not just wanting to win a city. I'm wanting to win a state. I'm wanting to win a, I'm wanting, I'm, I'm wanting to win a nation. There's close to 8 billion people on planet earth. And God says, if you're not dreaming like I'm dreaming, are you with me? We need to start dreaming like God dreams. If God is going after 8 billion people, then we got to get a mega church mindset. We got we to gotta God size our lives. It's too small of a thing. Somebody shout, it's too small of a thing. This, this whole concept is all through the Bible. And since, since, since I feel like we need a little bit more work on this, let me just give you of uh, some other verses that, that, before we jump into what I want to talk about, uh, that, that really solidify this. In Jeremiah chapter 30, verse 19, again, it's throughout the whole Bible. And, and, and we need to expand our belief. We need to expand our, our expectation. We, 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 some, sometimes it's been bad for so long, you can't see anything but bad. But God wants to expand, and, and, and he wants to increase, and he wants to, to get you believing and thinking bigger. In Jeremiah, notice what God tells his people uh, concerning their restoration. He says, my people in those places will sing songs of praises. There will also be the sound of laughter Hello, I believe that's coming back to the church. How many of you know we need laughter back in the church? God's talking about his people. He says, I'll give them many children. They will not be, what? Small. They will not be small. We need to God-size our life. I will bring honor to them. No one will look down on them. Read this out of the message translation of verse 19. It says, Thanksgiving will pour out of the windows. Laughter will spill through the doors. Things will get better and better, come on, and better, I declare over your life, this is as bad as it will ever get if you'll receive it and release faith for it. I declare over your life, it's not getting smaller, it's getting bigger, better, brighter, and greater. I like our offering confession in Psalms 115. To keep just hammering on this thought, Psalms 115, notice what the psalmist says. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will, what? Bless us. If we only believed God like we believed the devil, if we'd quit believing for the wrong thing, we'd really have it made. We're always believing for the wrong thing. The Bible says God will bless us. Anybody believe that? He will bless the house of Israel, that's you. He will bless the house of Aaron, that's still you. He will bless those who fear the Lord, that's absolutely you, both small and great. May the Lord give you what? Not decrease, but what? Increase more and more, you and your children. 
Let me just stop right there. The Bible says when God's people limited him, the reason why they limited him is when he made a promise to them, they did not mix faith with it. Therefore, it didn't happen in their life. So when you get a promise from God, your responsibility is to mix faith with it if you're going to see it come to pass in your life. Is there any faith? Come on. Is there any faith in this room on the other side of these cameras? Is there any faith in the family of celebration that says it's way too small of a thing. I shall be blessed. I shall increase more and more. Not just me, but me and my children and their children and their children. It shall go from. Oh, I wish somebody would help me preach today, right? Somebody shout, it's too small of a thing. God can do more. Ephesians, we know this one, right? It's New Testament. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all, that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. Wow. Wow. If we're not careful, we're so good at creating a very small and boring version of Christianity. A very small and boring version of Christianity. According to God, he's building a mega church. Jesus says, I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail again. Jesus is building the church. What are you building? Listen, if we're, if we're not building what Jesus is building, then we're off mission in our life. And apparently, God is looking at 8 billion people, and he wants every one of them to be saved. Come on, what's your heart? What's your desire? What's your expectation? God is building a mega church celebration. We better get busy because we got a city to reach and revival. Come on. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's what, exactly what God is doing. You can't get big enough for God. Not until every person on the planet is saved and born again and on their way to heaven. God's building a mega church. God is building a mega church. What are you building? He doesn't want anybody to go to hell. The Bible says he desires that all men shall be saved. That means that you've got to get busy reaching all Men, that is our assignment in the earth. That's the reason why in Psalms 2.8, hopefully they could put this on the screen. I was thinking about this on my way over here today. In Psalms 2.8, God gives you an invitation to ask him. He says, ask of me and I'll give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. Notice how the, 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 the voice translation, it says, it says, the nations shall be yours for the asking and the entire earth will belong to you. Do you know why we don't have that? Do you know why we're not seeing 8 billion people say? It's because we're not asking. We're not believing. It's too small. I'm telling you, God is building a mega church. You know, my wife was just up here. We're believing for what? New facilities, new lands. Come on, our, our, our time in this facility is running out. We got to expect. We got to believe. We, we got to go from something big to something bigger and better. It's not going to decrease. It's going to increase. There's, oh... The problem, I'm going to say it again. See, I'm getting stuck right here, but I'm going to say it again because that is the assignment of this summer. We will have failed if you don't start believing that God can do more in your life. God is challenging our thinking here at Celebration. He's saying, I can do more. I can't, and I need a people that can expect me to do more. Did you know there's revival happening all over the world, especially in places like Africa? And the Middle East, 
you know, you get huddled down into your little small little box and your small and, 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 and you just you just live in that, that small thing. God's wanting to do something something bigger. In Nigeria, I, I, could, I could tell you about 10 churches just in Nigeria that, that, that run over 100,000 people. David Oyedipo that runs like 400. Did you know that they are building right now a stadium, like a football stadium? Put that on the screen. Let, let, let me give you some vision of what we should be doing. That, that's what they're... This is Nigeria in a third world country. It's, it's, it'll seat 109,000 people, and it's only about a year away from being, it's already up and, and going. I mean, food courts, they, their thinking is not small. You, you, the only place you can small, small, find small thinking is in the Christian church in America. I think it's interesting because David Oyedipo, which considers uh, Kenneth Hagin his spiritual father, which is my spiritual father, he said, the difference between you Americans and us Nigerians is you read the books for entertainment, we read it and did it. So what's a stadium down, down south so, so far? This, this is every bit plus much bigger than that. Let me, let me show you what they already exist, his property. Show me the next, the next slide, just to give you vision. This is the building they are actually in right now. This building seats 50,000 people on a Sunday. This one will seat 109,000. Don't look at me that way. God is, I don't know what you're building. He's building a mega. You, here, here you have a third world country expecting bigger things for their nation, revival in their nation, while we're content in doing just a real little religious thing on Sunday, I'm here to tell you we're going after 8 billion people. And, and so they fill this, this, they fill this building up four times on a Sunday, have about a half a million people. They will, they will, they will go, I think they're about eight months away, they'll be, they'll be in that facility, just state of the art. And here's the remarkable thing is, is they have not received a dime from America. This is like $800 million to build that building. And it's all come from Nigeria and their people. You know, the difference is their people tithe. Their people give. And when you get a half a million, even just giving a dollar, it don't take long to, oh, shut up, devil. Run you up out of his town, out of this. It's too small of a thing. I say. What would happen if you got committed to the things of God? What happens if you got invested in the things of God? Come on, we shouldn't be content in this just happening in Nigeria. Why not Fresno? Why not the valley? Come on, it's too small of a thing. Let, let, go to the next, I think it's just the picture of the Sunday morning service. I think this is just their Sunday morning service. 50, that's just one of the services. That, that, I, that's nothing. I could show you a building. There, there's another church that seats 3 million people. 3 million people. I, I just can't, because you're not dreaming bigger. We need to, God size it. You're, you're making God, you've shrunk God in your life. We need to start believing that God can do more. And, and, well, why do we need bigger buildings? Because there's eight, oh, there's 8 billion people that need Jesus. That's why we need to go bigger. That's the reason why we need to reach more, because God doesn't desire that none would be lost. Say, oh, yes. Come on, we're dreaming. Anybody believing? So we've been looking at 
the book of Joshua and how God was doing something big in their life. That God was expanding them and God was enlarging them. And, and what's interesting is before God could do the big thing in their life to, to bring them into their promised land, God talks to them about three things. The reason why this is so important is because I believe God has more for you. I believe God has more for, for us. I believe God has more for this church. It's too small of a thing. But before God does something big in our life, like he did with Joshua and the people of God, before he could bring them into their promised land, God dealt with three specific deals or things. He dealt with their yesterdays, he dealt with their tomorrows, and he dealt with their todays. Just quick review. He talked to them about their yesterdays, and he told them that he had healing for their yesterdays. You'll never see the big things of God if you get stuck in your yesterdays. So God wants you to know that he has healing for the pain of what happened in your yesterdays. And then he wants you to get an expectation about your tomorrows. He talks to them about their tomorrows. He says, consecrate yourself, prepare yourself for tomorrow I'm going to do miracles in your life. So God has your yesterdays covered with healing. He has your tomorrows covered with supernatural help. God wants you to get miracles back on your calendar. He doesn't want you to try to live life without him. He says, I have miracles for you. Now, what's interesting is that then God talks to them about their todays, and God begins to give them five specific preparations, or we could say responsibilities, that they have to do in their todays in order to see the miracles in their tomorrows. How many of you know that God has his part? And we have our part. So we've been talking about those, and we dealt with the first one, spent five weeks on it. It was a priority, and uh, it was a priority of God's Word, putting God first place or His Word first place in your life. It was a preparation of priority. Go back, listen to those. I believe it's been a huge, huge help in understanding. It's the most important. If you don't do that one, it doesn't matter about doing the others because the priority for your life is the authority of God's work. Let's slip into number two. It's the second priority that God talks to Joshua about. If he's going to see the big things, if his life's going to get bigger, if it's going to expand, if it's going to increase, he talks to him about the second thing, and it was about a position. He says, I need you to prepare your position. It was a position of a daily position of courage that fears no evil. So the first one was a priority of the word. The second area of preparation, responsibility, was to have a position of courage that stood against fear. So, so important. We see it here in Joshua. We're going to read several verses here, and then I'll comment on them. But in Joshua chapter 1, notice what it says here in verses 1 through verse 9. Again, we're going to see this, 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 this position of courage that fears no evil. It's not enough just to have the priority of the Word of God, but you're going to have to have a position. You're going to have to have a stand that stands against fear. Why? Because fear is a liar. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people to the land which I'm going to give you or I'm giving them, 
the children of Israel. So God's saying, I'm going to do something big in your life. I, I'm going to, you're going to go into the promised land, the land that flows with milk and honey. The Bible says, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong. Notice this. Be strong. Let me just stop right there and back up and make sure you, that God had land in mind for his people. Don't have time to teach this today, but it's something I do want to talk about in the future, that God has a covenant with his people to give them land. If you don't own land, God wants to give you land. The church doesn't own land, but we have a covenant to get land. That's the reason why we're filling up storehouses, believing God that God's going to give us a place of our own. You have a covenant as a child of the Most High God to own property, and He wants you to own property, and He wants you to possess property. It is your right as a believer. You should not have a mindset to rent or to lease. God wants you to be owners so you can tell the devil what to do instead of Him telling you what to do. Just a side note, you have a covenant. Not just a promise. There is a covenant that God has made for you. You should own your own home. You should own your own property. Come on, somebody. Debt-free, paid for. And if we'll make it happen for the kingdom of God, you make it happen for the church, build what God's building, a mega church, God will see to it that it happens in your life. If we could just get people, oh, see, here I go again. If we just get people to cooperate here in a nation like we're living in. What could we do even in this church if every one of you just got in the game? Started serving like you was just in love with Jesus. Started helping like you was just in love with Jesus. Started giving like you was really in love. Started living for God like he really is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Woo! Oh, yeah. I just found my help right there. He says, so here he goes. He says, he says, so I've got all this stuff for you. I've got land. I've got a promised land. Be strong now and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land, there it is, which I swore to their fathers to give them. Notice the first area, you're going to have to have courage. You're going to have to have courage to inherit God's promises. It'll take courage to possess your land. It'll take courage to possess the mega church. That's the reason why we're not building it, because we don't have that kind of courage here in America. We don't have that kind of faith here in America. Kind of quiet in this. I'm just looking for faith in this room. I'm just looking for some belief in this room. I'm just looking for some expectation in this room. So God says it's going to require courage in order to, to possess the inherited land. Verse 7, it goes on to say, only be strong and very courageous. So we're going to have to have courage again for what? That you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn, what, from the right. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left. That's our problem. We're turning to the Republicans and we're turning to the Democrats. God says, no, I want kingdom people. Just a little jab there, since politics is right in front of us. Don't you be turning to the left. Don't you be turning. We're kingdom people. We're not going to get off mission again. I said, we're not getting off mission again. Come on, God's our authority. He's, oh, I feel like I'm running up against some devils today. 
Hallelujah. It says that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written, for then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. God is about you having good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wherever you go. The Lord God is with you wherever you go. So, God says to Joshua, in order to, to lead my people into a place of enlargement, there must be a daily position of courage that stands against the fear. Because that's the root. Because if you don't deal with fear, then you won't have courage to be, to be Bible people, to do the Word of God. If you don't stand against fear, you'll never have courage to inherit your land. The fear is the root that is destroying the fruit. So we have to have courage absolutely to inherit the land. We have to have courage to be Bible people. It takes courage, right, to, to forgive, right, and, and not spend your life hating. It takes courage to, to live with your wife and to believe for a better day in your marriage, right? It takes courage to do the Word of God. It takes courage to believe the Word of God. But, 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 but if you don't deal with the fear, you'll never have the courage to possess inheritance, and you'll never do the Word of God. So, so God says here that, 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 that you're going to have to have a daily position of courage that stands against the fear. In fact, notice it is a, it is, it is a commandment. God commands Joshua to take a position of courage that refuses to fear. Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Have I not commanded you? Why would God command us to stand against fear? Because fear is always at work to keep you out of the amazing promises that God has for you. Fear, I want to say it again because it's so important. Fear keeps you from doing the Word, which fear will keep you from inheriting what God has promised. Remember, uh, Joshua has, has, has been at this crossroads before. It was just 40 years earlier that God wanted him to possess the same exact promise. Uh, but the fear 40 years prior uh, swayed some two to three million people not to possess their land. And the Bible says a whole generation had to die except for Joshua and Caleb. Forty years goes by, a whole generation has died, and now they're standing on the verge of crossing over into their promised land. So Joshua has another opportunity to possess, and he's not going to mess up this time. He has 31 cities to conquer here. He has land. He has territory to possess. And God tells Joshua that it's going to take courage, Joshua. It'll take courage to stand against the fear. Because remember, that's what took them out 40 years earlier. Joshua, it's going to take courage to stand against the fear in order to possess all that I have promised you. So let me give you three quick things about what we just read. First of all, you need to know that fear is your enemy. You need to know fear is your enemy. We need a position of courage that stands against 
The fear. Why? Fear will keep you out of your big things of God in your life. Notice when the Bible talks about fear, it's talking about the irrational fear that the enemy uses to torment your life. When the Bible talks about fear, it's talking about yielding to those, hear this, those thoughts and feelings and emotions that are provoked by the apprehension and expectation of evil things or dreaded things. Did you hear that? Let, let me say that one more time. Because when the Bible talks about fear, because in, in our culture we have uh, many different types of fear, but when the Bible talks about fear, it's talking about yielding to the thoughts and feelings and emotions that are provoked by the apprehension, expectation of evil things. That's the reason why the Bible says, fear no evil. Or the dreaded things. You see, the Bible is very clear that, ev that, that fear does not come from God. That fear is an enemy of the believer. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, notice what it says here. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. But of what? Power. This is what God has given us. Power and of love and a sound mind. Understand that fear comes from your adversary, the devil. Fear is his domain. Fear is how he controls and operates in our life. When fear shows up, it is an announcement that the devil has showed up in your life. Fear is Satan's lives that try to undermine God's ways and God's promises in your life. The Bible is very clear. It's not a sin to feel fear, to experience fear, but it's the yielding to fear that creates the problems in your, your life. He says, Joshua, if you're going to experience the big things I have for you, if it's going to get better in your life, if you're going to possess your promised land, if you're going to move out of this space where it's too small of a thing, then not only are you going to have to have a daily priority of the Word, but you're going to have to have a daily position that stands against the fear. Why? Because fear is of the devil. God has not given you a spirit of fear. It's not a sin to feel fear. It's not a sin to experience fear. Every day of your life, you're going to have an opportunity to be overwhelmed by fear, to experience fear, to, to, to feel fear. But it's the yielding to fear that will create the problems in your life, just like yielding to faith. Okay? Because fear is how the enemy, again, gets into our life. It's what he uses. Please understand that Satan uses fear to gain access into our life. It's how he actually stops the work of God from operating in our lives. It's how, he, it's how he works his plan for your life. Job says it this way. He says, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me. In Job chapter 3, verse 25, it says, for the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. No, notice how it gets into your life. The thing I greatly feared has come upon me. And what I dreaded has happened to me. Why? Because I'm fearing. I'm yielding to the fear. Let me read it out of the, another translation. It says, for the thing which I fear comes on me, that which I'm afraid comes to me. Before what can happen can happen, you have to fear it. 
Now, now we're not going to, this is just introduction. We're going to get the, we're getting get in the nuts and the bolts and the weeks ahead. But please understand, first and foremost, is fear is your enemy. It does not come from God. It comes from hell itself. God has not given you a spirit of, love, of fear. He's given you what? Love, power, and a sound mind. Fear is how the enemy is able to gain access into your life. Not the feelings of fear, not the emotions of fear, but it's the yielding to fear. And when you yield to fear on a regular basis, the Bible says you bring that fear into your, into your life. For the thing which I fear comes on me, that which I'm afraid comes to me. What can happen can happen because you fear it. Before the thing can come, according to that verse, Fear has to come first. Before the thing can come in your life, fear has to come first. Before the cancer comes, you fear the cancer. You give way to that cancer. You give way to that sickness. Instead of daily standing up and declaring, I'll never have cancer another day in my life, I will not open myself up to it. Fear, here's what you, fear, that's the reason why you need a daily stand, a, a a position that says, I will not fear any evil. That's the reason I boldly can say, I won't be sick in my life. I won't be diseased in my life. Now, it may try to get on, but I'll fight it. I'll resist it and come against it. If I yield to that fear, I just keep bringing it into my life. Are you, are you hearing this? Fear is the currency of hell. It's how you receive all that hell has for you, where faith is the currency of heaven and faith is how you receive what God has made available for you. So this is what I've come to tell you. Fear is not an option. It's a commandment. We are commanded not to fear. It's not a suggestion. As believers, when the feelings of fear come and those fearful thoughts come into your life, you should stand against it. You should resist it with everything you've got, just like we do any other thing. Fear is not your friend. It is a liar. I don't know if I, 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 I made that strong enough. The church has to stand against fear. It's not your friend. It is of the enemy, and it's how he accesses your life. Fear is hell's currency to bring to you what you don't want. Faith is God's currency to bring to you what you do want. So what do I do with the feelings of fear? What do I do with the emotions of fear? I resist the fear. I resist the fear thought. I resist the fear emotion. The Bible says resist the devil and he shall what? He shall flee. You resist it. You stand against it. And the Bible says it has to go. Here's the second thing you need to know according to this text. It takes courage to stand against the fear. And Tom, you can come back. It takes courage. So not only is fear your enemy, but if you're going to overcome the fear, it's going to take courage to stand against it. Notice what he says to Joshua. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, do not be afraid. God says to Joshua, take a position of courage that refuses to fear. Hear this today. It's courage that takes a stand against fear. It's courage that stands against the face of fear. You see, courage is absolutely a very important element 
to the believer's life because courage is what faith is all about. Faith and courage were the characteristics that you read about in the early church, the book of Acts, that operated in such mighty power, possessing all that God had for them. Understand, it will take courage if you want to be the person that God has destined you to be. How do I stand against fear? I have to be a person of courage. I'll never be the person God has destined me to be if I'm not a person of courage. It takes courage for you to reach your full potential. No great thing comes to anybody without courage. Courage is what takes on the challenges of life. Joshua, got big things for you ahead. A whole generation messed up 40 years prior. Here's how you're going to go in and possess the land. I'm going to need to get you into a position that stands against fear. Why, Joshua? Because fear is your enemy. And I don't think I've made it strong enough because I think some of you still think it's okay. I'm here to tell you, you need to you you get a backbone that stands against it. I will fear no evil. Because when you start to yield to the feelings and the thoughts that the enemy sows into your mind, and you start yielding to that thought process, that's how he brings in all the hell into your life. That thought that you're not going to make it. You just say, like we were singing earlier, it's a liar. That, that thought that says you're not worth anything, no, that's a liar. When he told you you're not good enough, that's a liar. That's a lie. When he told you you're not strong enough, that's a lie. When he told you you're not worthy, that's a lie. When he told you not, you're not loved, how, how, how many of you let that just go over? You're just not loved, you're not loved. You're not, and and you, just, you just think about that instead of resisting and fighting against it, standing against it. When he told you you're not beautiful, we know that's a lie. Why? Because... Fear's a liar. He says, when you were, he told you when you were troubled and you always will be alone. That's a lie. When he told you you were dirty and you should be ashamed. That's a lie. You've been made righteous. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin so that I might become the righteousness. You have to stand against the lies of the... Joshua, here's what you got to... You got to take a stand against the fear in your life. Why? Because if I yield to fear, it's on its way into my life. Well, God, how do I stand against the fear? It's going to require courage in your life. It's going to demand courage in your life. Courage is is not a feeling. Courage is a choice you make. I, I want to make sure you understand what courage is all about. Courage is not how you feel. Courage is what you do. He says, he says, you're going to have to stand against fear. And Joshua, here's how you stand against fear. It's going to require some courage because courage is what faith is all about. And here's what we know about courage. Courage is not a feeling. Courage is a decision. Uh, it's been said that fear is a reaction, but courage is a decision. You have to choose courage to be courageous. Hmm. You have to choose courage in the midst of those fear thoughts and the fear feelings. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's a choice that you make so you don't yield to fear. 
I need to say that one more Good. time. Good. Courage is not the absence of fear because you're feeling it. The emotions out. We all listen. We live every day of our life, and fierce thoughts are coming out. The fear, fear feelings are coming. So what do I do with that fear? I got to stand against. How do I stand against it through courage? How do I do that with courage? Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the choice that you make to not yield to fear. That's what courage is all about. Courage is standing against fear. Courage is resisting the fear. Courage is taking action in the face of fear. Courage is doing what you do, but doing it afraid. That's courage. Courage is the resistance of fear. Courage is the disregards of fear. Courage is what stands against the fear. The great theologian John Wayne said it this way. He said, courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyhow. So you have to stand against fear. It's going to take courage to, to stand against fear. Here's the third thing in closing. If you need courage, then how do you get it? Courage is the result of knowing something. Joshua, got big things for you. Here's how you're going to do it. You're going to have to, you're going to, have to be courageous and stand against fear. You're going to have to have a position that stands against fear. Why? Because fear is your enemy. Courage is what stands in the face of that enemy. Well, how do I get that courage, Lord? It's very simple. We look at it in our text in verse 9. It says, have I not commanded you to be strong? Good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. For the Lord God is with you. He's with you. He's with you. How, how do I get courage? Courage comes by knowing that God is with you. It's a knowing that knows that you know that you know that you know that you know that you. When you know that you know that you know who is with you, <laughs> uh, you can get pretty cocky. When you know that you know that the Creator, the one that has created everything that you see, the one that has created life, when you know that you know that He is walking with you, then it's easy, it's easy to have courage in your, come on, courage comes because you know something. It's not because you feel something. You're not courageous because you feel courageous. You're courageous because you know who is with you. Does anybody know who's with? Come on. When you need courage, there's only one thing that is needed. It's the promise of His presence being with you. If you don't have courage, it's because you don't have a revelation of who's with you. You, you need to know who's with you because when you know who's with you every step of the way, that's all you need. It, it's enough. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it, it's enough. When you know he's with you every step, it, it's, it's all you need. It, it's, it's enough. It's easy to be courageous when you know who's with you, when you know the ability that's with you, when you know the strength that's with you, when you know the power that's with you. 
just an introduction today. Just an introduction. This is Joshua. I have for these people big things, a land that flows with milk and honey. He says, first of all, there's going to be a priority in your dailies that needs to prioritize the Word of God in your life. The second thing, if you're going to possess the promised land, Joshua, then you're going to have to have a position that takes a stand against fear. Why? Because fear is your enemy. You should hate it. You should despise it. You should stand against it. And every time it comes knocking at your door, you say, you're not allowed into my home. How do I do that? I do that through courage. I do that through courage, which is not a feeling, but it will require courage because that's what faith is all about. And how do I get the courage? It's a knowing, but faith comes by hearing and by hearing or knowing and knowing the Word of God. When I went into high school as a freshman, I was a really a small guy, really small. Uh, really small. I mean, I'm really small. I think I was just barely over five foot. I mean, I was just really, I'm, I'm still small, but I was really a small guy. I didn't grow until my 20s, but decided to start praying, and I started growing. So. My brother was a senior in high school, and he was kind of the, uh, we, we grew up in a, a city, and he was kind of known as, uh, as, kind of the, as kind of the tough guy in town. Nobody messed with my brother. He was twice as big as me. <laughs> Bench pressing like, you know, 400 pounds and, you know, as a sophomore, just, just a huge guy. Just, just big. Nobody messed with my... If you wanted to know how mean my brother was, just look at the front page because he's almost on it every other day. <laughs> this fight, that fight, this feud, this quad, this thing, you know, just, just, just crazy, crazy. I can remember as a freshman coming into the high school... Um, feeling, feeling kind of cocky. Not because I was big and I was strong, but as a freshman, I had a brother that was a senior that, that I knew nobody would mess with me because he was with me. In fact, nobody messed with me because he was with me. And every time they tried to mess with me, it ended up on the front page of the newspaper. So I could go into the school as a freshman and sophomore, not because I'm tough and I'm bad and I'm something. It's just I had a brother that was, was with me. I could be courageous because I had a brother that was with me. I'm going to tell you, you have an elder brother. His name is Jesus. And he is with, come on, he is, I said he is with where does courage come from? Not because you're bad and you're tough and you're all of that and a bag of chips. It's because of who you serve, who's walking with you, who is your King of kings, and who is your Lord of lords. His name is Yahweh, God Almighty. The beginning and the end, He's with you. And when you get a revelation that He's with you, there's a courage that comes to say, ain't taking no cancer today. Ain't taking no fear today. Ain't taking no sickness today. Ain't taking a messed up marriage. Ain't taking no poverty. Ain't taking no lack. No, 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 no. No, no. Gonna go to a bigger place. Gonna inherit my promised land. Fear will keep you small. 
Fear will keep you limited. Fear will keep you in lack and shortage. I'm here to tell you, you'll stand against that fear because of who is with you. You're on your way to your promised land. You're on your way to a better marriage. You're on your way to a better family. Come on, I'm here to tell you, God is with Stand to your feet. Let me read a couple of these verses while you're standing to your feet. We'll dismiss in just a moment, but I want you to see this. Notice what it says in Isaiah 43. Let me just give some Bible on this. Let your eyes fasten on these verses. Isaiah 43, verses 1 through 4. Don't be afraid. That's what God says. I've redeemed you. I've called your name. You're mine. When you're in over your head, <laughs> I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. I'll be there with you. God is with you. When you're in in rough waters, you will not go down. When you're between a rock and a hard place, it won't be a, a dead end. Because I am God, your personal God. I'm with, I'm with you. Anybody got any courage today? Come on, anybody dreaming bigger today? Come on. We can do it. You can do it. Come on, God can do more. Isaiah 41.10, do not be afraid. I'm with you. I'm with you. Do not be afraid. Why don't I have to fear? Because God is with us. I'm your God. Let nothing terrify you. I'll make you strong and help you. I'll protect you and save you. I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God is with me. And God being with me is what produces the courage to stand against the fear that the enemy's trying to bring into my life not taking it today, devil. No, no, no. I might feel it. I may have the thoughts, but I can resist it and stand against it. Psalms 23, verse 4. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Why? For you are, come on, shout it, with. Why don't you have to fear? You might feel fear. You might be overwhelmed by fear. Fear may be attacking your thoughts, but you don't have to yield to it because you're a man and a woman of God, full of courage, not because you're bad and you're tough and you're strong, but because the one that's walking with you is bad and tough and strong. Come on, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. We can do this. We can possess promised land. The Bible says that, that, that perfect love drives out fear. You, you want to know how to get rid of fear? The Bible says fear has torment. That's what it says about it. That's the kind of fear the Bible talks about. It's the kind that gives you torment. The Bible says that God hasn't given you that spirit. How do I get rid of that? The Bible says that perfect love cast out, drives it away from your life. Perfect love drives away all fear. That is found, I believe, in 1 John 4.16, or 1 John 4.18, it says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out all fear because fear involves torment. Perfect love drives it out. Then the Bible says, it goes on to the next verse, it says, but God is love. 
So the one that's with me is love, and that's the reason why when he's with me, he's driving out the fear. All you got to do is get a revelation that God is with you. And that understanding and all you're getting, get understanding. When you have an understanding of who God is and that he is with you, you know what that does? It just drives away the fear. The fear that I'll be sick. The fear that I'll be poor. The fear that I'll be diseased. The fear that nothing good, it just drives. You've got to get a revelation. He is with, somebody shout, he is with me. Come on, he is with me. Shout, he is with me. Father, today we stand against the fear. Come on, just close your eyes right where you're at, in the room and online. Father, today we just, we just focus on you. God, I take authority in this place today, in this moment. I stand against the fear that's tormenting your people. And I pray for the revelation and understanding of this word to take root in the hearts of people. Father, we declare today that fear is a liar and it has no place in our lives. We stand against it. We resist it. It is our position. We don't mess with it. It's of the devil himself. Father, we thank you that you've given us courage through the understanding that you're with us. And you being with us is the love that drives it away from us. God, I thank you that chains are snapping today, the, the fear of sickness and the fear of disease, the, the fear of premature death. I, I cancel that right now. I, I take authority over it right now in Jesus' name. We will fear no we won't fear poverty. We won't fear lack. We won't fear loss. We refuse to fear. We stand against it, Lord. God, I thank you for an anointing that is released in the lives of these people. An anointing, Father, the power of God, the love of God that drives out every aspect of fear in their lives. Father, do a work today. Father, you have not given us a spirit of fear, but you've given us a sound mind. God, I, I come against that discouraged mind, that distressed mind, that fearful mind, that anxious mind, that worried mind. God, I declare soundness come to your mind. Peace come to your mind right now. Father, we take authority over every work of hell that's channeling itself through the fear. And we resist it, and we stand against it, and we declare, you have no part of me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. The yokes are being destroyed, and burdens are being... Discouragement goes. Depression goes. God, I come against those suicidal thoughts right now. We stand against the fear. Father, we thank you. For the understanding that you're with us. Say that with me. Say, God is with me. Say it again. Say, God is with me. Father, thank you. Just lift your hands. Say that again. I feel that. Just feel that power of God is with me. You don't have to fear. You don't have to be tormented another day of your life. Some of you are not sleeping at nights. That stops today. I declare over your life, you shall sleep. 
You won't have to take pain medications. You won't have to take sleeping medication. To go to, I declare with sweet sleep, you will fall asleep tonight and sleep all night long. I, I thank you, Lord, that you give your beloved sleep and beloved rest. I declare it over them in Jesus' name. Father, every, everything that, that fear has produced in the hearts and lives of people, this, this root of fear, Lord, that produces the fruit of everything the enemy wants to bring in our life. God, we just take authority over it today. And I declare it's cast out of God's people's lives. And now, Lord, with this understanding, we will stand against it. We will resist it. We'll refuse to, to take it. And we'll allow the one that's with us to drive it far from us. Declare it in Jesus' name. Say it with me again. Say, God is with me. Say it again. Say, God is with me. Sweet sleep. I speak rest into your bodies. Rest into your souls. Rest into your emotions. Father, I thank you for courage that comes to your people today. A spirit of faith that rises within them. In Jesus' name we say and declare, amen and amen. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thanks for listening. If this impacted you and you'd like to partner with us, go to celebrationchurch.cc give to help us reach people with the message of Jesus.